Hello and welcome to Inside Indie Riff. It's brought to you by Message Matters and hosted by me, Peter Duncan. And me, Andy McKeever, and we're going to be in coffee shops and cafes throughout Scotland with a laptop, a microphone, a 15-minute egg timer and a key referendum campaigner. You'll find us on Twitter at Inside Indie Ref and of course on messagematters.co.uk. So let's go to this week's podcast. Okay, so welcome to Inside Indie Ref podcast number seven. Today, we'd like to welcome Anna Sauer, the Attorney of the Scottish Labour Party. Anna Sauer, are you with us? Thank you very much. Great to have you here. And uh, this is part two of our double header, um, assessing the uh, debate Tuesday night, and uh, hopefully get some interesting insight into how that went from the, from the bit of the other side. So, the really um, important thing I want to ask, I mean, clearly the narrative from Tuesday night immediately afterwards was Alistair did well. He certainly did better than everyone expected. And that's kind of migrated into uh, he's really done very well and actually summoned a quite a difficult night. Mm. Do you think that really, you know, does that matter from a real personal point of view? What's the impact of these debates in the campaign? I think the problem that the First Minister's got is that there was no expectation management on their side. It was very much, um, whether that was Pete Wisher talking in the House of Commons or whether it was a, the First Minister himself or indeed his advisers, uh, they were all clear the uh, First Minister was going to knock out of the park and it was going to be a difficult night uh, for Better Together, a difficult night for Alistair Darling. But the really strange part of the actual debate was um, and I think most people probably see this as well. Is this was the biggest moment of the campaign? So a viewing audience of somewhere in the region of 1.5, 1.7 million. All of us accepting whether we're yes voters or no voters that this is the biggest political decision we'll make in our lifetimes. Um, and you had a first minister who chose to ask about driving on the right side of the road, alien invasions, and talking about pandas, which was just very, very, very strange. And I think that knocked him that, off course. I think Katrina, I think it was Katrina who, who was back in the audience who put it perfectly. It sounded like it was a list of yes, Scotland gripes rather than real priorities for people. So I don't I don't think the content mattered, but I think the trivial nature and the style in which it was used mattered to people and thought actually, I thought you were bigger than this. I thought this debate is bigger than this, and I think you're letting Scotland down. In, in terms of from our perspective. We want to make and continue to make the positive case for Scotland to be part of the UK. That positive case around the best of both worlds, which you heard Alistair outline. But what it won't stop us doing is asking those difficult questions. And I think what the debate has done is the two things that the SNP and Yes Scotland probably want to be least at the heart of the debate have now come front and centre of the debate. Do you think you've found, you found a more positive way of being negative to make? Is it the case that you maybe find a more... I think part of it, language has changed in previous months, I think there has to be an acceptance of that, but there also has to be acceptance to say the truth is positive, so telling the truth is a positive thing to do, and sadly that's not been the case uh, from the Scotland campaign. And the point I was making about the two issues that are now front and centre, the two issues that are now front and centre of this debate is Alex Salmond, his own credibility, and the currency. And it's not important in our debate point of view, it's important in the way that what we did today, for example, with um, Alison Dowling, who's a credit union worker, handing in uh, the coin to, to Butte House, asking for a plan B, is people deserve to know what currency are they going to get their wages in, what currency are they going to get their pension paid in, what currency are they going to get their tax credits in, uh, what currency are they going to use when they go to do the weekly shop, 
How's it going to affect your mortgage? How's it going to affect your car loan? And what are our businesses going to trade in? On those huge questions, we still have no answer from the First Minister and, and we're going to keep continuing to ask those tough questions. I get the impression currency might remain one of your key campaigning points. I think I think it's safe to say, yeah, yeah I think it's safe to say. I absolutely, I, I, that, that's my point. I mean, the, the, the two things you get on the doorstep is what's the currency going to be and, you know, is Alex Salmon telling us the truth? And the two very things that I think are the most negative parts of the campaign for them are now front and centre of it and it's all of Alex Salmon's making. The, we asked um, Stephen Noon yesterday in the first part of this doubleheader about his man slip-up, which has been well documented over the last couple of days. Um, only fear that we therefore ask you about your man's sticky points, of which we would probably identify there were two. The first one was a bit curious to us, actually, the, the whole issue of Salmond asking him to agree with David Cameron that Scotland could, or being could, be an independent, a successful independent country. Um, it seemed to us as though he could have fairly easily just said yes of course but here are the reasons why mm-hmm. not what's your take on how he answered that and would he maybe do it differently next time do you think I, I think the point that Alistair was getting across was you can't break it down into a simple could question yes or no I mean I've been on many a um, SMB Twitter feed or on many a Yes Scotland um, publication or blog openly saying that of course Scotland could be a successful independent country but to use Alex Salmon's words himself, the question is, isn't whether Scotland could be, it's whether Scotland should be an independent country. And that's the question on the ballot paper. The question on the ballot paper is not, could Scotland be an independent country? Of course it can. The question is, should Scotland be an independent country? And to that I believe the answer is a firm no thanks. Because I don't think it's right for us in terms of our jobs, our pensions, our public services, our businesses, or indeed it doesn't strengthen devolution. I think it ends devolution as a process and a concept and a process and concept um, that I support. So um, Alex Hammond can use all the bluff and bluster he likes. The question is should, and I think when that question is asked, the people will give a resounding answer. I mean, it's difficult in the heat of the debate to um, sometimes say exactly what you mean to say, but I mean, it strikes me that the answer you just gave would actually have eliminated that issue. It ended up taking up five minutes of the debate and was asked probably seven or eight times. Um, and it just—it seemed to be a hole that Alistair didn't really necessarily have to get into. I think it's safe to say Alistair Darling wasn't expecting to be asked about alien invasions, driving on the wrong side of the road, um, and also about pandas. So, um, look, Alistair gave, I, I think, a, a strong answer on why he thinks Scotland should be part of the UK. He asked the right questions and the questions that we were getting on the doorsteps. Um, in the heat of a debate, with the adrenaline going, you know, and the to and froing, these things. Uh, happen, but I think it's safe to say even the neutral um, experts, even I'm sure people on the Yes campaign accept that Alistair Darling um, did a good job. You guys it. presumably like the section two would presumably be your favourite format. It's forensic, it's about detail. Whereas section one, where Salmon I think probably did okay, you know, with the it was quite it was fairly stylish, it was fairly polished. But section two where it came to detail is presumably where you see your strengths lie. Well, absolutely, you can see that from First Minister's questions today that the Yes campaign aren't good on detail. They're good at telling us the best way of ending inequality in Scotland is to vote for independence. But let's look at the detail of that. The, the best is, of independence is to keep the pound. But let's look at the detail of what they're saying. The reality is that in the measurements of how you, you measure inequality in Scotland, one is welfare, yes, and they've obviously talked a lot about welfare. The other ways you measure inequality in a country is 
education, health, employability, criminal justice system, all of which is pretty much the sole responsibility of the current Scottish Government, all of which they're failing Scotland on. So let's have a debate about inequality, let's have a debate on the detail, and I'm sure that we'll win those debates. The reality is they want to make it trivial debates about broad brush issues because they don't have the answers in the detail. The other area where um, the SNP have been highlighting the last couple of days was about powers question, um, where Salmond asked uh, Alistair to name a couple of powers that would be coming to Scotland. Um, oh, this obviously goes back to the three reports that the three parties produced, yep. which were similar in a lot of ways, but there was quite a key difference in the Tory and Lib Dem proposals on income tax compared to the Labour ones. Yep. Um, Mike Moore, in a podcast he did with us a few weeks ago, um, hinted, in fact more than hinted, um, that the Lib Dems, who hadn't previously advocated the devolution of housing benefit, would probably reverse that position and advocate it in the interests of getting consistency between the three unionist parties. Can you see you guys making a move on income tax to come in line with the Tories and the Lib Dems again in order to achieve that consistency and give that positive message after the referendum? I mean, what we've laid out in the Devolution Commission report um, and also since then in terms of what Ed Miliband has committed around guaranteeing that the first Queen's speech of the next Labour government will have a new Scotland Act in it to strengthen the Scottish Parliament is that we, we recognise that the best of both worlds approach is that strong Scottish Parliament with the backup and safety and security being part of the UK. That pooling and sharing of resources argument that I think is a much bigger than idea than independence will ever be. And what we do have broad agreement on, as you say, is around um, you know, income tax, but what are the details of income tax? There's agreement around devolving power, not just from Westminster to Holyrood, but also power from Holyrood down to local authorities, particularly looking at how we improve the employability powers, not, again, not just from Westminster to Holyrood, but also down to local authorities, how we make skills development in Scotland, for example, work in a meaningful way to ensure that people with uh, coming out of schools and local communities get the education, the skills they need to be able to stay in that same region and go into the jobs in that same region uh, as well. When I say region, I mean region within Scotland. Um, I think that's really important. The reality is, though, the measure of success is very different. I am not going to propose anything that I think makes Scotland uh, poorer as a result or makes achieving social justice more difficult. That, that's why I don't think we should have uh, a competition on uh, income tax, I don't think we should have a competition on corporation tax, for example. Uh, instead, I think we have looked at ways in our own devolution report about how you can use progressive taxation to be able to fund better public services um, in Scotland. But the reality is, one thing that we've laid to bed is there is this not this whole thing the SNP always do about the only way of guaranteeing more powers is independence. It's absolute nonsense. The only vote that kills devolution as a concept or as a process is a vote for independence. All parties have guaranteed there will be more powers for the Scottish Parliament. And you know what? Maybe the Nationalists will have some good ideas on further powers for devolution and further powers for the Scottish Parliament after the referendum. So, there's, there's clearly an issue, it's been a very difficult debate for the party to come to consensus. Does that, does that mean that further substantial move tax devolution is just never going to be agreed? Is, is that something which is just never going to be a, a consensus? Well, what we've said is we would um, devolve some powers around tax and some powers around uh, welfare. Look, I, I never say never to anything because that's that's the wrong approach in, in any kind of political debate. 
what I would say is that the test for us in the Devolution Commission report was one, are we doing this for the right reasons for Scotland, not the right political reasons? So not some kind of auction on powers or trying to out the Nats, that's never going to work. Are we doing a model that works for Scotland but also works for Scotland's relationship with the rest of the United Kingdom? And thirdly, are we proposing something that will help achieve social justice rather than make it harder? And that's around the pooling and sharing of resources and making sure we don't minimise Scotland's income and money to spend but maximise it. And I think we've come on a good model on that. I think the common consensus getting to that narrative about pooling resources to achieve social justice has been a, has been a good moment for the party to get to in this debate. It, it just in the context of the discussions happening elsewhere, and particularly post, if there's a no vote, post-general election mm-hmm. is where that takes a Westminster consensus. Mm-hmm. It's quite difficult to see. But it's not just about Westminster consensus. I think this is really important because I, I think that kind of language and frame um, is played upon by the nationalists as if, you know, there's some people in a room somewhere far, far away in a building called Westminster who are going to decide a, a political fix for Scotland. Um, it's not. Instead, I think the right thing to happen is the guarantee of more powers each political party publishing what they believe those powers should be to make uh, the Scottish Parliament work even better than it already is in the context of the United Kingdom. We have broad agreement on that from all three political parties. There is, as you say, disagreement on around the income tax, but pretty much on everything else there is uh, agreement. I think that's a really good place uh, to start. And why not include some more of those Scottish voices and indeed the nationalists post-independence to decide what that model looks like. Who was it that said, we both know who it was that said that, you know, there's no monopoly in wisdom. There's no monopoly in wisdom on our side as well. There will be people, I'm sure, on the yes side who will want to make whatever the result is work in the interest of Scotland. And that's why we have said a direct challenge. If Scotland votes yes, the Labour Party will work with anyone to make it work. If Scotland votes no, do the SNP commit that they will work with us to make devolution work? I think that's a really big question, another big unanswered question from them as well. There is no monopoly in wisdom, we want a monopoly in wisdom from you <laughs> on, on an issue which we, which we address everyone at the end of the podcast, which is we would like for you prediction of the result to percentage yes vote. I'm sorry, I'm, look, I'm sorry to disappoint you, Peter, but I, I, I always fight every election as if I'm going to lose by one vote, because that gives you no complacency and it makes sure you give it absolute all to get the right result. That's I, how we're going to fight I the 18th thought, of September. You might not hear the wisdom because this is a podcast and not a broadcast, um, but I'm sure you can hopefully see some wisdom, uh, Peter. Well, we're not going to get we're not going to get a prediction <laughs> on that one. Less than 50. I think it's like, yes. <laughs> less than 50 for yes, I think so. Um, all, all I will say is what I'm confident about is whatever the result, and I know what I think the result will be, Scotland will win. Good way to finish up. The sand timer has expired very quickly today. Uh, thanks for listening, folks, to the uh, double header. Hold on for another couple of minutes. We're just going to say goodbye to Anis, and then we'll be back with our analysis. Okay, folks, that's Anis away. Uh, we are back here at HEMA. I'm just going to give our quick analysis. I mean, I thought the interesting thing is we talked, obviously, a lot about the debate, as you would expect in this double header. Um, we did discuss with Anis where Alistair Darling's sticky points were, namely on powers and on whether or not Scotland could be a successful independent country. I suppose the thing that strikes me, Peter, is that Salmon's bad question, i.e. on currency, 
is not one that is easily fixable. Alistair Darling's bad questions, namely on powers and on whether or not Scotland could become a successful independent country, are actually pretty easily fixed because he he answered both of those in the wrong way, probably, but he could quite easily answer them in the right way and they wouldn't be an issue. I think I think the first reaction on day one was of um, uh, Alistair edging it. Uh, the first reaction on day two is clearly um, going for a more cut result, but I think I think the, the it's clear from, from the media reaction that they see this as being a major weakness in the nationalist cause. The currency question is just, you know, where they have no position on themselves, it's impossible to find a way out of that um, without making a major change to their, um, to their policy position, and I just cannot see that. Alistair's got money on Tuesday night, and, and in fairness, in some areas, he took a real, I think he took a real pounding from Alex Salmon in particular, for example, of inability to be clear on what powers are being involved. They're just not easy to resolve. You can't be more straightforward than it was. Interesting from a kind of insider point of view, I, I guess, is the, the fact that it has now developed in the media into, you know, darling monstered salmon. If I were the SNP spin guys, I'd be feeling a little bit low about that because actually, salmon, in my view, got the best of the first section. He was slicker. Um, you know, he gave his lines, he did pretty well. Yes, he had a serious problem in the analytical, you know, the cross-examination section on currency. But it was maybe a points win for Darling. It wasn't a knockout. And it's now it's now become a knockout. And it's interesting that the, you know, the, the no-campaign spin exercise in the last couple of days has been certainly much more successful than the yes-campaign spin exercise, which is an, an unusual position to be in. Yeah, I, I suspect the next few weeks we'll see I was excited enough for both of us, so that makes up for it. But the but, but, but I, but I wasn't hugely convinced by Alice's argument um, as he was seeking to persuade me that actually this was genuinely significant for the campaign. The Clegg, the pre the pre twenty ten election where we had the Clegg mania. I don't see a similar um, opportunity for that kind of narrative to develop. And, you know, will at the, at the end of the day, will these debates be genuinely transformative? And also, if I was Salmond, Team Salmond, I wouldn't fancy another cross-examination section. And in the in the negotiations over the future debates, you know, they might play hardball on that. I think it'd be quite keen to audience participation. Um, was it STV do they do do their uh, five their STV five hundred format? Mm. Not the You've done a couple of them. Uh, we'll be uh, next week with Adam Tompkins going back to Glasgow in Byers Road and we will speak to you all then. Gotcha,
Thanks very much for listening.